Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? These are the words of Christ. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty and the depth of, depth of these words. How powerful they are, this declaration Christ gave to his disciples and to the world as to his true identity. Open our hearts now as we... <laughs> all right the good thing my battery pack is still on give them just a minute to reboot everything is that it all right amen <laughs> you know for the last you know 2,000 years until recently we haven't had to worry about that kind of thing um, all right, where was I? Well, that doesn't look right. All right. Today is our annual State of the Church address, and this morning's message is entitled, and you'll see this in a minute, Time to Build, Time to Build. In the passage that I just read, Jesus asked an important question to his disciples, who do you say that I Am. And he spoke of building his church. It, in fact, it's a fantastic passage. Of course, you know that famous response from Peter. And it is a declaration because there was, for a time, uncertainty as to the identity of Christ with the disciples. And the reason is they were looking for a Messiah. And the disciples, of course, from the very beginning, saw him as a teacher. And they were hopeful in believing that he was the Messiah. It took them a while to grasp that he was more than a Messiah. Did you know that Jesus was more than a Messiah? Because the Messiah they saw is kind of a perfect prophet. And Jesus was prophet, he was priest, but he was also king. They did not, as Jews, expect God incarnate, the Son of God. So this decoration seems normal to you and I, but for them... And for Peter and the disciples, it was a radical statement. He, he finally got it. He figured it out. And we, we're going to see why, or you see why in the verse. And he makes this declaration, Jesus, you are the, the Messiah. But then he says, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, you're right. But I tell you, the way that you know that is through the Holy Spirit. It was revealed to you by my Father in heaven, actually, says. 
And then he makes this declaration, Jesus does. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And of course, we know that name in Greek means rock. You are Peter. And he actually says the word Petros. And on this rock, and he uses the word Petra, almost the same word. They have the same root word. But we make a distinction, of course, that Petros was a rock, but Petra was a boulder, and it was a part of the larger rock. And, and on this, this larger rock, and the larger rock being the revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, I will build. That's the first declaration he makes. I will build. I will build my church. Jesus is a builder. It's what he does. And he's been building his church for the last 2,000 years. He's not talking about structures here. And so when I say it's time to build, often we think of a building campaign and getting permits and blueprints. And that will come in time. We'll talk about that later. But what Jesus is talking about and what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning about is building the church in the way that Christ calls us to build the church. Not a structure, but something that lasts longer. This year in 2023, I want to challenge you to build. That's my goal for the year, that we build. That we build Christ's church. The New Testament shares with us four ways that you and I should build. And the first is this. Allow God to build you. Allow God to build you. Did you know that God wants to build you? Let me put it this way. When I was in high school, this is, uh, you know, a long time ago. Um, uh, I started high school in 1979. Yes, yeah, 79, in the 70s. Disco, bell bottoms. Yay. Well, let me tell you, I'm sure that teenagers now are much better, but we were awful. We were cruel to each other. We called each other vile, ungodly names. And, and of course, we didn't, we were all good kids in front of mom and dad and pretty good in front of our teacher, but we were vile to one another. And the, the stranger a kid was, now the, the, the athletes, the good looking, the rich, the popular, no, we lifted them up. But the others that weren't so popular or so good looking or so rich, we mocked them. Or maybe I should say they mocked me. <laughs> we mocked them. Kids, were, in fact, wherever you were on the totem pole, including myself, there was always somebody a little lower that we could mock and make fun of, and it just made them worse. We did the opposite of building people. We tore them down. And we didn't have to go to, to class to learn that. We didn't have to take a seminar. We didn't have to read a book. We were born that way. Our old nature gives us this incredible ability to destroy others, just naturally. But in the kingdom, it is just the opposite. We are empowered. Powered by God to build. And God wants to build you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says this. 
Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Did you catch that? I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, the word of his grace. And this document is the living word of God that is designed in part to build us up to the point that we are like Christ. And we're not Christ, but we are being called to be built up to be like Christ. And this is how we do it, through the word of God. In fact, it says, I commit you to God in the word of his grace. So God and his grace to build you up to an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So if you feel torn down today, if you came in here this morning and you feel beat down, people have been criticizing you, they've been mocking you, they've been making fun of you, they say bad things, they gossip or they post things about you, I want you to know that God desires to do the opposite and the power of his building in your life can overcome every one of those other obstacles. What God has to say is far more important than what anybody else has to say. So allow God to build you up. Secondly, God calls us to build the church. God calls us to build the church. Allow God to build you and as we build the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Corinth and to us. He says, so it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that, here's the word, build up the church. As I've told you before, and you already know, many of you, Paul is in the midst of a discussion about spiritual gifts. He starts that back in chapter 12. And as he's going through the chapter, talking about spiritual gifts, and he has this conversation with the Corinthian church because they are messing up spiritual gifts. They messed up everything else too, pretty much. They were a mess. But spiritual gifts was one of the biggest problems that they had. And you think, how can they mess up spiritual gifts? Well, they figure it out a way. They were having yelling contests. Everybody was a preacher back then, apparently. And so they would get up in the spirit and just start yelling in church. <coughs> well, people thought they were crazy. And Paul said, no, God's a God of order and not disorder. Church service should not be crazy. Now, there is freedom in the spirit, but there, is, there are also boundaries in the spirit because Paul was concerned about visitors coming in and thinking, these people are nuts and not coming back. And so he had to deal with them about that. And so he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And at the end of chapter 12, he says, but eagerly, eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we know that there are greater gifts in the Spirit and lesser gifts in the Spirit. Now, to be very careful right here, because if they are legitimate gifts of the Spirit, whether greater or lesser, they are still gifts from God. And they are important. And there are, as we found out, found out in chapter 12, gifts that are specifically designed through the Holy Spirit to build you up. Because God knows that you and I need to be built up. And it's not just 
compliments that I'm talking about. It's something much better and deeper than that. It is a spiritual gift that God gives you to edify you and help you in your life. But at the same time, it was Paul's desire and it is God's desire that you and I mature as believers so that we can in time use greater gifts and those greater gifts are for the benefit of others. And so at the end of chapter 12, he thinks, what, is the greater, what are the greater gifts? What's the greatest gift of all? And then he spends an entire chapter in chapter 13 talking about the greatest spiritual gift God ever made. And what is it? It's the gift of love. Chapter 13 is the love chapter. The whole chapter talks about that one spiritual gift. And that's good news too. Because if you are a mean, nasty person, don't raise your hand or, or point. But if you're a mean, nasty person and you say, Pastor, I've always been mean. I'm just mean. I'm ornery. That's the way my parents were. That's the way my grandma was and my great grandparents were. It's in our family. It's in the blood. I'm just mean. And maybe you'll excuse that you have red hair or something to make, uh, you know, because you're mad all the time. You know, it's funny how we do that. We just assign a blame somewhere or a reason why we're mean. Well, I tell you why you're mean, because the devil has a hold of your life. <laughs> we are just naturally mean. Babies will be mean to each other. Toddlers will be mean to each other. As I said, high school students will be mean to each other. It's only God that transforms us into the beings that we're created to be to love. And if you want a spiritual gift, listen to me. If you're just, if you think that you're just not naturally nice and you're a mean person, I want to challenge you to pray this year, starting right now, that God will give you the spiritual gift of love. I have seen it. And many of you have seen it as well. The meanest, ugliest, awfulest person that you've ever met turns into the nicest and the sweetest. When I was in high school, and in case he's watching right now, I won't give his full name, but his name was Kent. He was mean. That boy, mean. We, we, uh, when he walked down the hall, we just made a path for him. The hall parted for Kent because he was mean. I saw him a few years later, and one of the girls where I worked at Gibson's Discount Center said that he was completely different. I said, what? Well, he got saved. And God changed his life. And so God is in the business of transforming us from mean people to loving people, from hateful people to kind people. Only God can do that. Just ask Zacchaeus, the meanest, hatefulest, bitterest guy in town. Jesus has one meal with him and loved him, and it transformed his heart and his life. Let God build you up. And so we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, after the love chapter, and he says this, so it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, he tells to the Corinthians, you want spiritual gifts? How about this? Try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Now, spiritual gifts come from God. We can't order them like a menu, Lord, I'll have, I'll have that gift and that gift and I'll have two of those. We can't, you can't do that. But it does say we have some say in it that we can request 
from God certain gifts. He says, try to excel in certain gifts. What are those gifts? In gifts that build up the church. God has built you up, matured to the point that you can build others up. And you say you're not very good at that? That's okay. There are spiritual gifts that will help you do that. All right? Already another year has gone by in the building of this church. So to the staff, the deacon body, the Sunday school teachers, the deacons and the leaders, and you, the congregation of this church, I want you to know it's been a great year here at First Baptist Church. And I don't know how to say this without sounding braggy, so I'll brag on the Lord, all right? God has blessed us on every level. As I looked at the, because Chris brought in charts, he loves charts, graphs, I'm not going to show you, it's not a PowerPoint presentation this morning, but I like looking at those and the attendance of the various numbers, and I'll give you some numbers here in a minute, but it has just been a remarkable year. I was stunned at how comprehensive God's blessing on us has been. In 2022, last year, attendance, membership, ministries, mission work, and finances have all broken records. In 2022, it marked the, listen to this, 2022 marked the largest period of growth in the history of First Baptist Church since 1904. Amen. And again, that's, that's the work of God. That's the mercy of God. And he's let us be a part of that. So let's continue to build Christ's church together. By the grace of God, in 12 months, our average worship attendance, and I'll share this again with you in a minute, has grown by 92. That's a net gain of 92. And we're, average, we're currently averaging 429 on Sunday mornings. Wednesday night service has grown even more. It doubled in the last 12 months. We had 28 baptisms in 2022. Our Easter service, if you remember that, that was outside. We got to have it outside again by the grace of God. It was a wonderful day. We had a record attendance. It was over 600, the biggest crowd we'd ever had for Easter. Upward Sports has seen record numbers, so much so that we are scrambling just to, to uh, accommodate all of them. Our Thanksgiving service and banquet had a record crowd this year, the biggest we'd ever had and the best ever. Our light night was crazy as usual on Halloween. We had thousands come through our parking lot. If you were here, again, that's, that's a wonderful time every year. Our journey uh, to Bethlehem, we started that back again this year. And one of the nights was a bad weather night. We got rained out, but we had so many on the other two nights that it averaged what we typically have in three nights. Uh, over the course of the season. We had a candlelight service this year, and it's unusual that we actually also had a Christmas morning service on Christmas because it was on, on Sunday, and that was a special time. So I went to the staff, as I always do, and I, I asked them to share a little bit about their ministries. Roxanne, our worship minister, said last year was an awesome year, and we added several people to our worship team, and we sang and worshiped at numerous special events like um, a light night and the candlelight service. And we had an amazing turnout at our Easter service and they did a special music service there. She said, we added a few of our youth that had graduated last year to our worship team as well. She said, we're really excited about what God is doing in this ministry and the direction he's taking with our church. She said, I know that amazing things are coming. 
Over this next year, we're, going, we're hoping to plan for more worship nights and more opportunities to be able to worship together in song as a church family. She says, stay tuned for the amazing things that our God has planned for our music ministry. Chris said, and he's got more numbers, he's a numbers guy, and I, and I appreciate that. He said, we created four new small groups. We used to call them Sunday school classes until the pandemic uh, we had shut down Sunday school, so some of our classes are still on Sunday. My Sunday school class meets on Thursday night, for example, though, and, and Thursday class doesn't sound right. So uh, Thursday school classes, so we call them small groups, and we've grown by four. Every quarter in our giving, every quarter in 2022, set a new financial record for that quarter's history. And we, by far, had the largest financial year we've ever had. So. I praise God for that and thank you for your service to this church and willingness to give. Major things happen behind the scenes this year with our media ministry. And I know that's not flashy, but we installed new systems and with our sound system, our AV equipment, our live stream broadcast, so that our worship sounds and looks as best as we can make it. Everything that God does, He does with excellence. And I believe that everything that we do, especially in the worship hour, should be excellent. And uh, we've had more and more people tell us this as they visit our church, that they have already visited us online. They've watched our worship services. In some cases, we've been told that they'll watch for months before they actually come and visit the church. And so they're very important. As I said, our average worship attendance has increased by 92 in the past 12 months. Last year, I shared with you that according to our growth pattern, we would be averaging 500 by the end of this year, and we're on par to do that very thing. And why is that important? Well, for one thing, the kingdom must grow. Somebody was sharing with me last week, I, I spoke to somebody who, who was from out of town, but they grew up here at the church, and they said to me, Pastor Lee, don't you miss the church across the street, the little church? I said, oh, yes, I do. I love that little church. It was warm and inviting and cozy. But you know what? God doesn't call us here to be warm and cozy. If that were the case, I would just hand you all a blanket and have you go out the door. <laughs> we're not here to be warm and cozy. We are here to bear much good fruit, and the kingdom of God was designed to grow. Don't ever forget that. I do miss it over there, but I love it over here in a completely different way. And by the way, we can be warm and cozy still. We just have to be a little more friendly and greet people each and every week. I'll get to that in just a minute. But once we hit 500, by the end of this year, by the grace of God, we will actively begin the process of planning and building our next phase, which is a new sanctuary with a children's wing and a youth wing. Robin Johnson, our children's minister, said in 2022, last year, our Wednesday night Awanas program grew tremendously. She said our year high went from 73 to 119, and the average attendance went from 50 to 80 every week. That's a, that's a growth of 30 kids. And, and when I say 30 kids, uh, to me, 30 children is like 90 adults. Okay? It's the same energy as 90 adults. So 30 kids is a lot. VBS had uh, 250 kids registered this last year with 15 salvations. And we've doubled in attendance in our children's Sunday school program. Doubled in one year. 
We started a new rotation model this year to promote excitement, she says, for children and for teachers alike, and it's working well. For our nursery, we have had an abundance of babies born this year and many on the way. So good work, people. Keep it up. <laughs> our nursery director, who we hired this year, we added a nursery director, Kastera, has written a curriculum for the younger kids to go along with the pre-K programs that we have. Each child learns through play at that age. We are also implementing a new parent communication plan called ProCare. It will help with safety and parent-teacher contact. We have stepped up our security with all ages, working alongside the security team, which we know is important to our parents. Wendy Wilson is our church secretary, but she's also our ladies' ministry leader. She said the ladies' small groups' uh, numbers have doubled this year, or more, she said. And we started uh, the IF table, she says, uh, their monthly gatherings. So she's excited for the growth and looking forward to what God has planned in 2023. We should let God build us. We should work with God to build the church. And third, we should build those within the church. Build one another. Let God build us as we build the church, and we build the church by building one another. Paul says it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10. He says this. He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, listen to this, therefore encourage one another and, what's the word? Build each other up just as in fact you're doing. He commends, he commends the church in Thessalonica. He says, you guys get it? You build one another up. He says, you're already doing that. Continue to do that. One of the ways that we've done that here is through our, our new outreach and connections minister, Jacob Building. We hired him this last year also. Now, Jacob just started six months ago, so only he has six months of numbers, so you'll have to double it. In the last six months of 2022, he said, we have had 230 visitors. That's half the year. 230 visitors. He said this number includes those who have interacted with our system, checked in kids or filled out a connect card. Now, if you have been coming and you have no kids to check in and you've not filled out a visitor's card, we don't even have numbers for those people. And we're glad you're here. But, you know, we don't go through and count everybody who's a visitor or not on Sunday mornings. So the actual number would be higher. He says overall... 135 of the 230 visitors in the last six months that we've had are still regularly attending or have officially joined the church. He says a typical non-growing church has a visitor retention rate of 9%, while growing churches have a typical visitor retention rate of 21%. But in the last six months, our visitor retention rate has been 55% here at First Baptist. Yeah, praise God for that. When it comes to walking people through the connections process and working to get people fully integrated into the life of the church as productive members, he says it can't be overstated the role that you, the congregation, plays. Whether it's those who work in the kids or student ministry, small group leaders or members who welcome visitors to the church in their small groups or on Sunday mornings, it says a lot about the membership of the church that visitors feel welcomed and at home while they're here and they tend to stay. So he says, great job. Let's keep up 
the good work in 2023. And he's right. I may have said this a while ago, we can have all the plans and programs and slogans we want. But if you, the congregation, are mean and nasty, <laughs> or you're not even mean and nasty if you're just neutral, you just don't, you don't sneer at the visitors, but you don't greet them either. No, that won't work. We've not been called to be neutral. Continue in what you're doing. And, and I know, I, I totally get this. I'm an introvert, by the way. On the inside, I want to hide in the corner. But too bad. God's called me to another purpose. And he's called my wife to another purpose. Cherry came here uh, 25 years ago. She grew up in another country. She didn't know a soul here but me. She didn't even know me very well. She was so quiet. I mean, so quiet. I couldn't get a word out of her. Now, she's gotten a little more vocal since then, but I've made an American out of her. <laughs> but she's a pretty quiet person. But when it comes to her faith and greeting people, there are no strangers. She is tenacious. She is fearless. She's my role model for that. And she's part of the reason why we have so many people here because she is fearless in sharing and meeting and greeting and loving others. And I get it sometimes, and I've heard the story, you go to somebody and you say, is this your first Sunday? My name's so-and-so, uh, we welcome you. And they say, well, I've been coming here for nine months. <laughs> well, visitors, just be gracious with us because we forget. I, you, the pastor forgets too, amen? And if we, we not notice you being here before, folks, don't use that as your excuse not to greet other people. You just keep greeting. You just keep greeting. Sometimes it takes a while to, to remember you, to learn your name, but keep doing that. Again, we can be warm and friendly at any size. We just have to make a concerted effort to do that. Not only should we build those inside the church, but we have to build those outside the church as well. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Paul, writing the church in Rome and the church in Azel, says, We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Listen to verse 2. Each of us should please his neighbor. A neighbor is somebody outside the church. It's anybody and everybody you encounter. We should please his, his neighbor for his good. And here's the word again, to build them up. You see, your neighbor may be lost. I mean, physically, your neighbor in your apartment complex or at your house, they may be lost. They may be awful. They may be bitter people. Well, God hasn't been able to build them up. He, he's not had anybody in their life to do that. And he's called you to build them up. And so that's what Paul says. He says, each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build them up. When you're at the restaurant, the waiter or the waitress comes in to help you. They may not be very friendly all the time, but you don't know what they've been through. They may have had a hard day and the last five tables they've served were mean and ugly to them and complained. I hope you weren't one of those five. <laughs> but they need somebody to build them up. And if not the people of God, then who? Do you really think that certain political parties are going to do it? Do you really think the atheists are going to come in and do it? No. It's you and I. To build the ability, the spiritual ability to build people up is powerful. 
It is just powerful. It is extraordinary how much difference you can make in somebody's life with just a few words or a few sentences. And God has called you and I to do that. And that's for me as well as you, for all of us together. Build those outside the church. And it makes a difference inside the church when we do that. Our fruitfulness in here depends on greatly on our kindness out there. So for 2023, I want to give you four brief challenges today. This is what, this not, I don't mean this is just something to write down. It is important. In 2023, I really am asking you to do these four things. Number one, of course, pray. Pray for Azel. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for First Baptist Church that God will continue to bless our church and that we will be a fruitful body of believers. We will bear good fruit in God's kingdom. Number two, serve. Serve. Find a place here to bear good fruit. It's your purpose. It's our purpose to bear good fruit. And we can't force you to do that. Okay? We're not going to pressure you to do that. Now, Cherry might. (laughs) She's pretty tenacious. But we're not going to pressure you to do anything that you don't want to do. Listen to me. You have to make that choice. We have so many wonderful programs and ministries. And again, it's extraordinary how people have found places to be beneficial. I've got a guy that came up and cleaned the pulpit this morning because he knows I can't stand fingerprints on this glass pulpit. So he cleans it for me. I've got another member of the church, and I've told you, he comes up every Sunday morning gives me two small bottles of water. And he keeps them ice cold, brings them in every Sunday from his house, gives me two bottles of water. There's no official title for that, water boy. I don't know. (laughs) He just does it because he notices sometimes I need a drink up here. And so he provides that water. People find ministries and avenues. We need people on the praise team. We need people on the, the, the... the media team in the back and so many other places in this church. We put out the call to go on mission trip and we allow people to go. We're going to the Philippines this year and we sometimes take people that have never been on an airplane before, let alone out of the country. But God calls us to do amazing things, does he not? You Don't come here and say you didn't have a chance to do anything. We will give you that opportunity. We're not going to make you, pressure you, you have an opportunity here. And then third, give. And you've been doing that faithfully, by the way. Thank you. We're not rich here, but we, I want you to know we work very hard as a staff because we talk about it a lot. What ministries are the best investment of that money? We want to use God's money in his kingdom in a way that is most fruitful. And we're very, very cognizant of that. On Judgment Day... I will have to give an account to God on how well I and we invested God's money. And I want that to be a a happy moment and not the other kind. (laughs) And so we think about it a lot. I think about it a lot. And then lastly, and this is really important, celebrate. Celebrate. You can do that. Celebrate. Look with me in Psalm 145.4, and I'll leave you with this this morning. What a great passage. The psalmist says, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power. 
power of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. Listen to this, verse 7. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing your righteousness. Listen to me. Oh, woe are we when God does mighty things in our life and in this church and we don't celebrate it. We need to celebrate the best year we ever had. We need to celebrate that. Amen. God has given us a reason to celebrate. And I think if we don't celebrate, we just go, man, it was okay. Well, I don't think 2023 is going to be a very good year. God inhabits the praises of his people and we should celebrate his goodness in our life. Yesterday, I officiated a funeral service for the longest serving member of First Baptist Church that was still alive. Her name is Lucy Carter. Lucy was born in 1937 and she was born into our church. In fact, we weren't even First Baptist Church then. We were called West Fort Baptist Church. It was in a little church building up on Peden Road. It's long since been torn down, long before I was probably born. And, uh, but Lucy remembers playing in that church and growing up in that church building. One of the few, I mentioned yesterday, one of the few members that we've ever had that's been a part of each of the three locations that this church has. She was a member of the church when they moved here across the street in 1956 and changed the name to First Baptist Church. She was a member here when we came across the street and built this building. How many? In fact, she, she was a part of a family, Lucy uh, Luce, uh, uh, excuse me, Marcella Beavers and her husband Bill, they were faithful to this church also. Marcella was since she was a child as well. I thought, you know, since 1937, how many vacation Bible schools has she gone through here? You know, she was 85. She went through, I guess, 85. That's a lot of EBSs. How many salvations has she seen? How many baptisms in the baptistry has she witnessed? How many mission trips? They love mission trips. How many things have they done in the kingdom here over the course of 85 years? God has done great things in this church. She had the privilege of witnessing that. And I know that Lucy would celebrate that. And so should we. When God answers prayer, celebrate. When people come to faith in Christ, celebrate. The, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when one person comes to Christ. And this year, God has been so good to us. So much more reason to celebrate. So as we build this year, celebrate. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and we should celebrate. You are so good to us. And I know there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of tragedy and a lot of things that don't go well in our life. It, it is the heartbreak of a fallen world. And it's out there. There are a lot of disappointments and broken relationships and on and on and on. But in the midst of that, you are still so good to us. Lucy, in the last days of her life, shared with me her gratitude to you for giving her such an amazing life. Help us to celebrate. Help us to have that attitude. And it's more than just the numbers, but thank you for the increase in attendance. In a country where fewer and fewer people are claiming to be Christians, in a, in a nation where so many churches are declining, you've blessed us here. It is by your mercy. Thank you. Oh, thank you. 
In a world where so many churches just can't even pay their bills, you've enabled us and blessed us financially. Thank you. And while we don't have a lot of money, you have given us the ability to pay all of our bills and conduct all of your ministries and your missions for your kingdom to build your church. Thank you. You have forgiven us time and time again, myself included. You have cleansed us from all of our iniquity, your word says. Separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you remember them no more, your word tells us. Thank you. We should celebrate that every day. You've given us the knowledge of your son. Where there are people in this church have never heard the name Jesus Christ. We not only heard about him, we've met him. Thank you. Father, we don't even know what you're going to do this year, but ahead of time, we want to say thank you. We want to celebrate already what you're doing and what you're going to be doing for your name's sake, and that you let us be a part of that. Thank you. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you this morning? Maybe you just want to come up and get on your knees and say, God, thank you. For the last year in this church, thank you. For the last year in my life, for all your blessings, thank you. Thank you for building me up when I was so weak. Thank you. And you might want to say, God, for all the things you're going to be doing this year, I'll tell you right now, thank you. Would you be willing to do that? Maybe God has called you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You want to be a part of His kingdom and building His kingdom here. Just come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to join. Or maybe you want to give your life to Christ. You know you've been needing to do that. Today's the day. Now's the time. Here is your opportunity. Just come down and say, Pastor, I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to Jesus. That's all you have to say. And I'll talk with you and pray with you. Or maybe you've done that. You want to become a candidate to baptism. Just come down and say, Pastor, I want to get baptized. Can I do that? And we'll go from there. If God is leading right now, or you just want to come and kneel and pray and make your commitment to God, this invitation is for you. Would you stand? No one's looking around. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. And as you stand and as you pray, you come.